Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, Interim Chair of the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. With me today is Dr. Bell Maurice, the President and CEO of Mayo Clinic Laboratories. Hi, Bell. Welcome back. As always, good to be back. It's always a pleasure to have you on. And you know, I've been following you on Twitter for quite some time, and I saw that you had some interesting recent polls about our weekly meetings and our podcasts here. Social media is great. You've had a presence for a long time in the superhero form of Parasite Gal on Twitter <laughs> slash X, whatever we call it now. Right, right. Um, there's a lot of interaction. So I thought maybe we should just do a couple of polls. I'm working with our communications experts that we have here, like Kelly and Suzanne and Lucy. We had the idea, let's do try a couple of polls. So one of the things I was curious about, two things really, what kind of things do people want to hear us talking about? Because I enjoy talking to you about everything, but what things do other people want to hear? And then the other was with a lot of news now about the COVID vaccines and Paxlovid mm-hmm. and other things, mostly just kind of where people landed what were people thinking about getting vaccinated for covid right so that was the first one that was pretty interesting it was pretty much an equal split uh yes i'm going to get it no i'm not so about 45 yes 45 no and about 10 percent in the middle undecided and you could feel that when just when i talk to people like some people are very much i'm getting my vaccine and some are not and that kind of thing and we could don't need to go into all of that today the other one is people really want to hear is talk about lab industry trends you know as i put those two together now we're seeing a lot in the lay press about COVID testing and the intention of the U.S. government to provide a bunch of at-home COVID testing for people again this year. And maybe think about that as, as one of the trends. I know it's something you've been thinking about, given your expertise in infectious disease testing, something you've been thinking about for a long time, this whole concept of at-home testing. Yeah, it's such an interesting concept. And, you know, your polls brought up a couple really important topics. Let's talk about both of them today. And we have industry trends of which at-home testing is certainly one of them. And then we also have the ever-present topic of COVID. In fact, one of my colleagues just said that she just received her COVID test at home mailed from the government. And I am scheduled to get my COVID vaccine on Monday. So very timely. Of course, we have to ask the question, COVID and flu together, yes or no? I'm, I'm going to do both because flu season is fall and winter, so tis the season. And then uh, both shots in one arm or do it on either arm. It depends yeah. on how sore you want to be and on both sides or just one. <laughs> but <laughs> really important topics. You know, we've been talking about COVID a lot. Thankfully, numbers have gone down. They were going up a little from August, but they're trending down right now. But the CDC is really predicting that we're going to see COVID again in the winter, probably at about the same time as the influenza season. So something to think about right now. For sure. Yeah, I used to be pretty ambivalent just because I get busy and and forgetful about getting Mm -hmm. the flu vaccine. And some years I I would opt out. Even though I've had flu before, one year I got it really, I didn't, was in the hospital, but man, it was very febrile, had to go on an antiviral. So it's just something to think about, obviously. One thing that was interesting in the poll is people didn't want to hear about COVID so much. I think there's a big, on the one (laughs) hand, people are sick of COVID. I get it. Yeah, On the other hand, we're all going to be getting these at-home tests. And I know that's one of the things, Mm -hmm. if you think back to those crazy days of COVID, we talked a lot about was, oh my gosh, well, there were what? There were like 
well over 100. I think it might even been something like Tesla got EUA for at home for COVID. Everyone's like, this is going to change everything now. People are going to get all their infectious disease testing at home. I mean, you're doing this more than I am. From a trend perspective, what do you expect to see this year? Do you expect to see people really wanting to do at-home tests still, or people kind yeah. of getting their their tests in the mail and just throwing them in the in a drawer drawer in the in the in the medicine cabinet? Well, I think what I've been hearing is people really love the at-home concept. And it's interesting how this has evolved over time because initially as microbiologists and infectious disease physicians, we really pushed back on these at-home antigen-based tests because they weren't as good. They're going to miss 40% of infections, especially in low levels and later stage or maybe really early on. And so we were probably being too much of a perfectionist and saying don't use these tests. I think we're now learning though with the appropriate guidance, they can be used. So for example, the CDC says if you have symptoms, test immediately. And if it's positive, that's pretty reliable. So having that positive result can actually change your behavior. You're not going to maybe go visit that person that might be vulnerable. You can take appropriate measures, but you do have to know that there is this risk. If it's negative, that's not always accurate. And then you have to do these other things like take another test within 48 hours or get a PCR test. So I think it all turns out that if we use the tests correctly and understand them, they actually have a role. So with that, what I've been hearing is people definitely want these. It's something we've always struggled with is how do we get test results faster and to people at home? And we, we looked at home collection for a while instead of having someone come into a healthcare setting where they're exposed to other sick people, how do you get it so they can collect their sample at home? And that's still a viable option, collect it at home and send it to a laboratory for things like genetic testing. That's probably the way to do it. Although who knows, maybe someday you'll be able to do your whole genome at home, but I'm guessing not anytime soon. But for these infectious diseases, when you're in that infective stage, It's a great idea to be able to get a quick result in the comfort of your own home without going out and exposing other people to whatever you have. So, Bill, I think it's only going to increase. You know, with the EUA, that allowed some at-home tests for COVID, but we don't really have those same good at-home options for the other types of infectious diseases. So that's where I think the the opportunity lies, is for expanding at-home flu tests, at-home group A strep tests, at-home RSV tests. Yeah, it's funny. As you were talking, a couple of things came to mind about from an industry perspective, we might really see this really start to take off. And I think the most important thing is that there'll be demand for it, as you say, because people want it. But then you think about other things. And two other major factors are not just the testing, but the healthcare, this whole telemedicine industry mm-hmm. has blossomed around it. As a, for instance, I didn't realize that you needed a negative COVID test to go to China. I had to go to China in August. Mm-hmm. And I was like, literally at the last minute. And so luckily I was actually planning to be away. Now there are telemedicine companies that you can order the test, you you QR code it on your phone, you do an observed collection and an observed result, you know, and so it's like these, and now also as pharmacies have gotten into the act, there's some now that also will automatically trigger you getting a prescription that will be covered by your insurance and that whole kind of thing. You're right. It's pretty, it's all COVID. We really focus COVID. The other industry trend that we'll see 
is the fact that there's been massive investment globally in the manufacturing base for these tests. That's the other thing people don't think about. They were pretty heavily used in other parts of the world. You know, Asia, I think, had higher usage of some of these tests. But now, and that's where a lot of the manufacturing is. So, and Sub-Saharan Africa also for some things like HIV, things you would know better than I do or sure. But that manufacturing, there's now a drive to put more things onto that, like RSV mm-hmm. and influenza onto that format because now they have the manufacturing base to do it. So it will be very interesting to see where this goes. There'll probably be an increased number of offerings to your point. But the big thing for us, just like during COVID, as laboratorians, it's understanding it, where it's going and making sure that we're educating because it's still about testing, right? And Mm -hmm. what the good use cases are, what they aren't, participating in writing guidelines or publishing papers, like you've done both of those things. Well, I think will be really important for people because it's um, to understand. But yeah, I think it'll continue to go that way. You said exactly what I was just thinking as you were talking about this expansion of at-home tests. We still, as laboratorians, need to think about what's going to be the indications for use. You're right, being part of writing guidelines. And then also thinking about what's a gold standard confirmatory test and what would that be? When would that be needed? And then being able to provide that in a high quality laboratory setting. So there'll still be a role for us, but we're going to have to know that there are these other commercial options out there and that patients may come in already having had tested themselves with multiple over-the-counter tests. That's right. And the other thing is if you pivot, the other question we have is, well, what does it mean for my laboratory, right? Right. And are these going to replace a lot of tests? Well, counterintuitively, this actually could increase lab volumes, right? Because if there's more people that are doing tests that need some level of confirmation one way or the other, right? All of a sudden, we could we don't really know which way it will go. And the other thing we do know is that as we saw this massive investment on the at-home testing health system, really, right, on the one hand. On the other, we saw massive investments in lab testing during mm-hmm. COVID as well, right, with the install base of all the major diagnostic manufacturers has expanded significantly across the globe. I've heard numbers like 30% more of instrumentation in laboratories across the globe with COVID, which makes sense. So at the same time, we're seeing the at-home stuff because now these diagnostic companies need to get more things onto those platforms so people don't just put them on mothballs and put them back in uh, in a warehouse someplace. So I think we'll probably see both. And, And again, it'll be understanding how to manage that and really understanding from a laboratory perspective, what's the best use, when to use them, how to plan, all those things, right? I mean, you do this every day. I don't know if you agree or disagree, but. Oh, I definitely agree. I think that a lot of people purchased instruments during the COVID pandemic at the peak, and now they have these instruments sitting in their lab and they want to do things with them instead of, like you said, put mothballs and stick it in a corner. You know, along those same lines, thinking about instruments, we have a lot of instruments in our lab that aren't necessarily registered with the FDA. I think with increasing FDA oversight, we'll we'll have to see how that goes. But there may be some companies that it'll push them to take that extra step now to register all their instruments with the FDA. There's a lot of companies that just haven't gone down that path, and they probably should. So it's going to be increasing pressures on not just labs, but manufacturers. I agree. And as also increased opportunities for collaboration. That's one of the things that I learned over the last several years as I've been more involved in kind of at the leadership level is just there aren't a lot of strong collaborations between many diagnostic manufacturers and labs. We're very much more in a vendor-vendee kind of arrangement. But if we have a common 
need to get things cleared. It might build and make things available, most importantly for patients and continue to innovate at mm -hmm. the pace that, that people need and expect. It will drive deeper collaborations, new opportunities for collaboration, right? I think that's important. And one of the last trends just to touch on briefly, and that is always thinking about the value of your laboratory. I mean, one of the things that we have seen is an increased pace of mergers and acquisitions of hospital labs being acquired or diagnostic companies and la you know diagnostic laboratories kind of being acquired. It's just something to watch. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's not always a bad thing, but it is really important now that there's an interest in companies in getting into this space that we really understand A, how tests are used to your point and B, all the value that our diagnostic tests create for the labs or for the hospitals that we're in and really for healthcare, right? Yeah, absolutely. Lots of big industry trends and we've definitely been seeing them every time you look on the news and you hear about mergers and acquisitions, decentralized testing. So I think it's something that as laboratorians, we all need to just keep an eye on and stay up to date as always. That's right. And stay up to date and stay at the table for decisions yes. that we just had the opportunity to host a couple of our Mayo Clinic Laboratories partners here over the last few weeks. And there are hospital and healthcare systems out there that are really making investments in their labs because they've seen with COVID the power of diagnostic testing. So y'all need to kind of keep our eye mm -hmm. on where things are headed, stay, stay up there, build relationships and collaboration, educate and, uh, on both how to use tests and, and the value that they create for our patients and for the healthcare system writ large. So uh, they're all things we have to kind of keep, keep in mind, I think. Yep. As I always say, laboratory testing is the backbone of medicine. And so the laboratory has to be part of the discussion. We have to be at the table. Agreed. 100%. Well, good. Inspirational way to end the talk. Uh, thanks, Bill, as always, for joining. Yeah, yeah, my, it's 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 great. And, and we'll do what well, you know what we will have to brainstorm a little bit, you and I, and some polls that we could put out there because mm -hmm. it's great. It's really nice to hear from the people that are listening, the kind of things they want to hear us discuss. So we'll see if this one hit the mark and we'll keep going. Yeah. Keep an eye out for future polls. Indeed. <laughs> All right. All right. Until next time. See you later, Bill. Sounds good. See you, Bobby. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday.